All right, once again, it's time for Jed Banger's Ball. I'm your host, Jed Mayhew. As always, if it wasn't me, it'd be something else, Banger's Ball. Today, our guest is Josh Landau, who's one of the nicest young Jewish boys playing heavy metal today, and a good friend of mine. Uh, we met after he heard a record I did with my band, Zigzags. He dug it. We've been friends ever since, playing shows together. We did a split record a while back, and... Now we're doing all sorts of stuff, making t-shirts, skate decks, which will be available here soon, if not already, by the time you're listening to this. I don't know, hopefully more stuff like that in the future. But uh, we talked to Josh about all sorts of things, um, about how he owns a piece of rock and roll history, and and now currently uh, maybe someone's trying to get it back from him, I don't know. But the thing about Josh that's always in- interesting to me is that he grew up in Venice surfing and skateboarding and playing music. Basically, what most people have to move out of their hometown to do. So I think he has a unique perspective on it as far as a lot of what he does, whether it's playing guitar or skating a pool, seems very effortless or very natural to him. So I wanted to talk to Josh about what it's like to grow up here in L.A. and how to figure out what you want to do from an early age. So let's start the ball with Josh from the Shrine. Well, so anyways, I was thinking about I was I was thinking about on the way over here, like I was trying to figure out like how you and I met. Um, I read about your band on the worldwide internet, and I was like, "There's a band in L.A. that sounds like this. That's amazing." Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think I like any other bands in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and then and i just lost a lot of friends yeah no 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 this was this was back before there were any good yeah that's in true. LA. No, this, this was like a couple four years, years ago this was like in the 40s <laughs> yeah this was like four years ago but but then i remember like i can't remember what it was though it was like you were djing or something you asked me to come dj or something like that yeah i think a black boar that's right i was gonna say black bear black boar yeah um so 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 you heard the the band on the <laughs> there's so much weed smoke in here i'm still like i'm coughing from like the previous <laughs> people in here um just like home yeah yeah we were talking about that earlier you grew up in venice oh yeah and everybody smokes weed there pretty much my whole family mom and dad they're amazing they're all sweethearts but well let's talk about that major like, stoners Let's talk about that. You you live in the same house that you were born in or grew up in? No, my family moved around a lot. Um, between like Mar Vista and Venice and then just West L.A., kind of back and forth. Because most people like like myself or whatever, like I was trying to get out of the town that I grew up in from the time I was like 12 or something, you know, 13. Right. As soon as I like discovered music or skateboarding or whatever it was right i was trying to get the fuck out as soon as possible so i moved out when i was like 18 you know right yeah i realize it more and more um how insane all the stuff all the skateboarding and a little bit of the music stuff but i mean mostly a lot of the skateboarding stuff i got to see and go to around venice and santa monica growing up that i think about now and i'm like really appreciating people elsewhere don't get to see that shit but i didn't really think about how awesome it was then of course and then when i was about 18 i was like 18 or 19 uh, my high school band had ended i really was like started to go roam around like go hang out with friends and like fly to new york for a week and go hang out and go to shows or like go up to san francisco and like just stay with people or girls or something and be like fuck i want to get the fuck out of la didn't seem like there was anything going on i wasn't playing music with anybody and there just seemed to be so much like my brain exploded with like, Oh, there's so much shit going on all over the world. And I've been here the whole time. And then as the shrine started and started to tour a lot more, um, I started to get really aware of how amazing LA is and how many awesome people are here and how fortunate, uh, we all are and how much just sick shit is going on all the time. I mean, cause you had some pretty crazy neighbors growing up though. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had crazy neighbors and crazy friends. And well, I'm talking about like uh, Chuck from Black Flag was like. Well, he's. I mean, he, we live in the same neighborhood. We're not neighbors, but I knew like uh, 
I met Chuck through his stepson, Milo, who's about the same age, um, who's also a guitar player, an insane guitar player. But he would come to my old band shows when I was like uh, 15. What band was that? Uh, called Rabies. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. And that was my high school band. All of us went to Santa Monica High School, except for the bass player, Magic, who went to Venice. And we met Chuck through his stepson, Milo. And we were just like, it, we were completely obsessed with American hardcore at that point. It was the only thing we listened to, like all of us, except for like maybe like Chuck Berry, Little Richard stuff. But we were like, didn't listen to anything else. We were like just total tunnel vision. And Chuck and Black Flag were like our biggest influences in the world. And uh, his family is amazing and crazy, and they have, they have a whole band together. That's all of them, and they rock pretty fucking epically and freak people out. And that's a Chuck Dukowski sextet. Yeah, yeah. And he still plays with like as much intensity as like when you look at old photos of Black Flag or something. It's it totally like blows your mind. And he gave you the Greg Ginn from. Black Flag's guitar amp. Yeah. And you still have it. And when I tell people, I like <laughs> I won't think about it for a few months. It's in my garage now. When I tell it comes up or you know, somebody asks me about it, it's almost like if I didn't know this dude, I would think he's making this shit up. Right. It's so fucking weird to me. I can think about being sixteen in my bedroom listening to like Jealous Again over and over again and like playing guitar in the mirror, like, playing the song, and, like, thinking, like, how does it sound like that? Like, how does he get his amp to sound like that? And my dad also plays guitar, and I'd be, like, like trying to ask him, like, how does it sound like that? And my dad really just, like, you know, he wasn't, like, a gear nerd. He played he played all sorts of different stuff, but he was never, like, you know, he, I had, like, a Marshall JCM 900, and it was just, I had that same amp in high school. Yeah, it was just, like, it was, like, still a real Marshall, but the cheaper one. I hated it. it was, I couldn't, yeah, it was like... It doesn't all, sound like what you wanted it to sound like. Yeah, it was like this weird, just total mystery. It was like, and I, I wasn't that into gear or anything either, but I was like, how does, this, how does it sound like that? I want it to sound like that. That's the only thing I want my guitar to sound like. Like, I've never heard anything else like it. And fast forward to a couple of years ago, um, I'm buddies with Chuck and I had gotten into like, you know, gotten way more into guitar playing and learning about pedals and amps and all the different shit they can do. And then I got totally sick of that too, because the people that are into gear yeah, and amps, they, they're, they're not interested in music. I know. I was thinking about that today too. It's like, uh, you know, it's like someone was writing me about some fucking guitar amp or some shit, or I was trying to find something and it's like, you end up, these people on the internet spend us more time talking about fucking guitars than like playing guitars it's so gnarly you could take like a you could also take like a 10 minute psychology 101 college class like you sit in class for the first 10 minutes and then you'll be like wow everybody that talks about gear and amps like don't realize like how much they're using their eyes don't realize how much they're influenced by like how how much it costs how it looks and like people are such fucking snobs and douchebags about that shit and even the ones who are like rad and like not kind of dicks about it who are just into cool gear and stuff like i don't know the people i i'm starting to learn about it and get into it and like try out different amps and go for old amps and like i've got a bunch of old amps and i love that shit but the people at some point really you're just like it. yeah at some point though it just it just gets exhausting and you're just like fuck it i just want to turn the fucking thing on and like rock out and i don't want to think about like what yep. is what or you know, yeah, I want to watch who? like Hendrix smashing his crap and the Who destroying their shit. I don't like care like about like what fucking patch cables you use between your pedals. Right. It's nuts. Like like people's like nerdy shit. I hate like oh man. Like I feel embarrassed when like I feel like I'm looking down at my pedals. Like I don't want to see like guitar player like looking down at his feet. Yeah, but you got a dude <laughs> making you specific pedals. For you though, and the band, right? Yeah, we do. We have a we have a fuzz pedal, but that's that's more just like he, my friend, was making some shit and he wanted to make one for us. I was like, what else are we gonna put on it? Of course, let's put the shrine on it. And we're like, I'm like, let him do that. He's like explaining to me the mids knob and how it's different from this. And he was really really worried because like the prototype he made didn't have a mids knob. And I was just like, dude, like I, good. I know. I feel like I always, always, I've built this guitar, this Squire Strat that I play now, and I like, I was like, can you just 
wire the fucking jack directly to the pickup. Like, I don't even want a volume knob because when the fuck do I ever turn the volume knob down? Right. It's or like, up. when do I? So, it, and they couldn't do it for whatever reason, but like, why is there a tone knob? Yeah. Like, t- the tone knob is all the way up all the fucking time. There's right. no like turning it down. So, I'm just like, can you just give me one knob and an off on switch? Yeah, and options are fucking black holes of like <laughs> distractions. It's true, and, and and you know I think that's coming back to the the Greg, which is like a PVPA. Yeah, it's, it's not even a guitar. It's amp. Not a guitar amp. It's a PA. It's like PVs making made in the late seventies a a cheap uh, PA for people to buy. It's like a solid state PA. Yeah, solid state four channel. It's called like the Musician two sixty or one sixty or something. It's got four inputs, and uh, a few years ago when I was like, you know, all buying and selling gear there's like you know scoring shit on craigslist chuck was like uh yeah i know you you mentioned me that you were like selling some amp on craigslist you want to help me sell this thing he was selling his old cabinets at the time in fact he was even at the time selling like some of his record collection let's like he put in my hand he was like this is an original pressing of nervous breakdown the very first sst record he's like it's never been opened because i put this piece of tape on it check it out i'm gonna sell it i was just like oh my fucking god like he has like Saint Vitus, uh, the like metal lacquers and just weird shit. And uh, he was just like kind of like, you know, I've got plenty of old rad shit from this time period and memories. Like I don't need to hang on to so much of it. Like if I've, I don't know if it's got like something really personal to me, but he's he's not hung up on it. Sure, really. he's like really stoked and he's so grateful and fucking rad. But he's not hung up on the. Did he sell it or is he keeping it or is he? Did you convince him to not sell it? Or? So. I just like I was like, uh, 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 dude, like, are you? See-? He he was like, do you want to help me sell it on Craigslist? It's or on eBay or something. He was like, it's the one that Gin played. I've had it ever since he stopped using it. Like, he says it's on Nervous Breakdown. It's on Damage. It's on. He says it's on all the early records. It was with them from when the band started. And in about eighty two, eighty three, Greg Ginn started using like a, a preamp and a power amp separately, like a weird, like a Roland power amp and some of the little preamp around the My War time. And Chuck held on to the thing ever since. Right. And I just like I was like Chuck, like can I try that amp out? I didn't even know you had that. Like I would love to fuck around with that thing. He was like, Oh sure, come over. It's like, how soon can I come over? <laughs> <laughs> and how old are you now? Right, when this happened. The, uh, this is um, five years ago now. Yeah, it seems crazy, but yeah, it's like five years ago now. It's like right about when we first met him and started hanging out with him. We were just kind of getting the shrine off the ground, and I just was like, dude, I love this. Like, this is so it sounds incredible. I'm playing it every day, and then like, like Jeff, our drummer, gave his wife some like computer help her computer was like fried or something and he came over to her house and tried to fix it and chuck was like we'll just call that even for the amp right <laughs> that's insane and then like like two years ago when they were doing all that flag stuff yeah with bill stevenson and the dude from the descendants and and keith and des it came up and he was like you know they we're doing all this flag practice we're playing these shows the guy uh you know stefan from the descendants who's you know he's he's learning the stuff like He's mapping out the songs per like per section, like where they speed up and shit. They're so into it. I mentioned the amp. We were wondering about. It. I was like, it needs to be fixed. Like I'm taking it to an amp guy. It's the things are dirty. Like I'm yeah. playing it every day. I really want to record with it. Please don't take it back. Please, 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 please. Right. And he's just like, oh fuck yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, right. So they didn't use it during those shows. No. So you still have it. I have it. But you recorded I'm, some stuff with it though. Yeah. Um. The first uh, first shrine LP Primitive Blast has that on it as a rhythm, and I also then there's also like a Marshall guitar amp, so it's like a tube and a solid state thing going on, like two channels at the same time, or like no two separate guitar tracks. Like I recorded one and then I recorded the other, and then you just blended them together. Yeah, yeah. and then they're they're both just on there like balanced out kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of guitar. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of guitar. There's a, a lot of tracks. It was like, and you know that 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 album um, we recorded as a demo because we had all these new songs and we didn't really have a label or anything, so we just made them and started like burning CDs and giving them out. We went on our first U.S. tour with Fu Manchu and we were selling burn CDs of that right. like 
in a little sleeve, and I was like writing the. I remember people used to buy burn CDs. Like now, you can't sell burn CDs. Yeah, but there was a time when you like Burger Records will soon be. Well, I remember at Sub Pop we did like a thing where we had like a Comets on Fire like extra CD thing, but it was just a CDR with a stamp in like a in like a fucking you know brown paper sleeve, and people were like super stoked to get it. Right, they were like, "I just got something homemade." Yeah, and I got got something something weird that you can't get, you know. But as soon now, it's like as soon as all I have to do now is Google that thing, and I can listen to it. Weird, yeah, yeah crazy so you were but you were so you're talking about your family a lot and growing up and like you guys were like i mean how did you guys find chuck i mean you guys were just you met through his son son. right but like through like skateboarding or what was like um it was in like through the band it was in ninth grade that i met his stepson milo and um people have this like misconception about like venice or the west side that it's like this huge it has like a legendary status and reputation, but it's super small. If there's any, sh- there's not really any music scene on the West Side. There's like our band and Chuck's band, and then a lot of like Doors covers bands on, right. on the boardwalk on right. Sunday nights or whatever. But so like he, um, Chuck steps on Milo was just like immediately friendly and uh, like I don't know, like he was also a guitar player. So we just started talking, and he mentioned his dad. I mean, it was obvious from the music that we were playing. It was like we were probably probably three of the four of us were wearing black flag shirts right. at the time. He's like, oh, yeah, my dad, my stepdad was in that band. And we started talking, and then we ended up playing. My old band, Rabies, played a show with the CD6. Right. Um, but, I mean, like you and your brother, though, like, I mean, what was your brother doing at this time? Was he skating or like, were you um, guys skating? Yeah, like- totally. Um, we were, like, about ninth, tenth grade total, like, mom drive us down to the Encinitas skate park, the YMCA and take us to the skate park or like, like take us to the Glendale skate park. And I think about 10th grade, ninth or 10th grade is when some friend of mine finally had a car. And so I transitioned kind of, I guess I was surfing a lot at the time and like go surf before school and then go to the pay phones, dial call, collect home. Mom, pick me up. I'm ready. Hang up. And she'd meet me at the beach. Like, you're getting a call from, hey, mom, pick me up. Yeah. This is why you didn't leave home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my- <laughs> you were surfing before school and then calling your mom to come pick you up. Yeah. It's, it's, I was like funny. fighting off a bunch of fucking hicks in my geo storm trying to get to fucking <laughs> class on time in the fucking winter in the middle oh of nowhere. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, I hated high school too. It's like well, yeah, of every, course. But when the fucking about. beach is out the window, yeah. like it, you're gonna hate high school even more. I was like, I was like in high school, just going like, well, what the fuck else am I gonna do? There's yeah. nothing else to do around here. I might as well go to school. Right. You want to get out? Yeah. Like uh, I can remember my parents' fucking rule. Uh, middle school, John Adams, uh, whatever, like eighth grade graduation was like Magic Mountain Day, and I didn't go. And my mom drove me and my friend to Trestles, which is like oh down. yeah. San Clemente surf spot. It was like everybody graduating class went to Magic Mountain for their like middle school graduation party. My mom drove us down to the beach, down to practically San Diego. Yeah, and uh, well, that's like San O, right? Like that's, yeah, it's the same, pretty much right. The same same beach, right next to like the military. Spot. We go to the old man's beach. Yeah, that's sick. That's awesome. That's the long border that's, beach. That's awesome. That's the uh, guy that doesn't know how to surf beach, or. The, or the dudes that are way into like longboarding. Yeah, right. Much better for longboards. You don't have to walk almost a mile from the parking spot. Right. And then your brother though, like he, I mean, he's he, he's skating now though. Like, is he like he's like sponsored he's, and shit? He rides for Dogtown now. He pretty much just like picked up like all of the influences and went even farther with them. Right. Like at some point, about like five six years ago, it was like he could he could, he can just completely outskate me on like pretty much everything. And but see, like that's he a, should. Right, and because he's younger, yeah. So he's he's got to like he's got to figure out a way to like one up you, and you're playing music and stuff, and so like yeah. he's got to do something else, right? Right, exactly. And he he like I mean maybe it's just because like older brother influence, like when I'd like do or even just playing music or like do something else. I don't know. I guess it left such a mark on him that he kind of pushed himself harder, right? To skate more and uh, I don't know, it was like maybe hit the right group of friends like at the right time where they were skating a lot and pushing each other too because you guys ran in i mean you guys are in venice so you're running into like the dogtown guys too though not just like the dudes from black flag but also like 
Jeff Ho and like yeah, like the um, Zephyr dudes and all this shit, right? Yeah, one of the. Cr- I mean, I don't know that much about no, it, so I. It's, it's pretty. In, I mean, I like. We like, like I said, I was like shucking corn. But. <laughs> Had cars? <laughs> no, shucking the actual oh, corn. I was, I was throwing corn at cars, I too. I thought, I, I'm, you said that. I thought of like you throwing you said, canned You corn. thought I said chucking. Yeah, chucking like yeah, cans of corn it. at cars. No, there's a thing. It doesn't exist in Venice, but you actually have to <laughs> peel the corn. It doesn't just come in the Whole Foods like on to go on the grill. Like the dude's... Pushing the carts with the mayonnaise. And the, <laughs> we don't have those dudes pushing great. the carts with the mayonnaise up there. <laughs> we have a dude like who's like you know like picking the actual corn. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. So no, so like you guys had all the Dogtown dudes around all the time, and so you guys are like you guys are like playing fucking punk rock where like punk rock was invented, and you're skateboarding where skateboarding was invented. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane to think about. Um, and I guess when I mean punk rock, I'm talking about like where hardcore was invented. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because like when you say it like that and when you think about it now, it makes like total sense. It's like, okay, this is where the most radical skateboarding and like some of the most like radical music, whether it's like hardcore or like the doors like came out of. And so that's a pretty heavy reputation and legacy to live up to and whatever. But there's also like not that much rad shit going on now. Right. It's like. It's like, like for, I mean, I guess we got into it because a lot of like the, I say the ruins, like a lot of like the old dudes that were gnarly are still around and still have a lot of that attitude and like knowledge and wisdom, but there's not, it's so mellow now. Well, it's like I would, you know, when I lived in Seattle and I would work at Sub Pop and then some fucking German dude would show up and be like, I want to see the grunge band. You right. know, and it's like, they're, it's not there anymore, man. Right, like, and when it was there, it was like a show to 30 people. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, you know, every place has its sort of like time and energy or whatever and it's not, it doesn't last forever, obviously. Right. So. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy. Um, About the pool skating, there's one good story I'll tell. Me and my friend Sam, who's the, it was two grades older than me, he was the one that ended up, he had a car. And so we were, we were surfing a lot and we had gotten, like I was skating when I was younger and then I was surfing again. And then because of the Dogtown movie, I got into like skating again, but skating like I was surfing, watching the movie, wanting to skate banks and hills and skate pools. And so we started looking for pools and... As soon as we started looking for pools, like driving through alleys in Beverly Hills, like going into construction sites, stealing pool pumps and like like going through the houses and like stealing saws and just whatever, like we could like this stupid shit. Like not only were we looking for pools and we were finding pools and skating them, but it was this total like like just like trespassing retarded fifteen year old rush of like breaking and entering and like creeping around in some abandoned house and and so we pretty much, like, almost entirely abandoned surfing. Right. Because it became, like, you know, like, more of, like, this juvenile delinquent sort of, like, and insanity. Could, yeah, and we could just pick up and do it any time. It wasn't, like, wait for the waves are good. It was, like, let's go to Beverly Hills. We're going to drive through the alleys for two hours, and we're going to find a bunch of pools. And also, like, just, like, go crawl inside these, like, like dying, dead old mansions that are, like, have been here since the 30s or something. Like, these weird old Hollywood mansions that are pretty eerie. Before they get torn down. I remember you and I were at like, I don't know what it was. It was, it was like South by Southwest or some some festival, some music show that we were, both our bands were playing in like, we were like drinking beer and talking and bullshit. And there's a phone ringing. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I remember you like had on your phone like Google Earth or some shit, like one of those like <laughs> photos. Right, yeah. And you were like, Oh, dude, check this out! And it was like a like an aerial photo of like a swimming pool yeah, that pre- you had found on like Google Maps or something. Pretty insane, the like the technology it's to your advantage. <laughs> I just thought it's, it was funny because you came up to me and you're like, "Dude, check this out!" And it's like a satellite photo of like a swimming pool. Yeah, and I'm like, "All right, cool. I mean, is that near here? Are we going to go swimming later? Is that, <laughs> like, why are you showing me this right now?" And you were like, "So you guys were like, oh fuck, that's fucking gnarly.'" Unfortunately, they're not always up to date. Right. The photos are like, like, can be misleading. Like, I found it and I've been like, oh my fucking God. Like, I've been like, and the, the satellite photos are all during the day, but I found stuff like at night and gone, like, driven to a neighborhood at nighttime, being like this pool. Like, I can see it, like, this empty pool. It looks so fucking sick. And I get there and, like, it's like a perfectly beautiful, brand new house that's like 
could see the family through the window, like at the dinner table. And it was like six months ago, this you, I could see the pool was empty and it was just a dirt lot. Right. And now it's Kanye West <laughs> and Kim Kardashian in the window. Yeah. And you're like trying to hop over the fence. And their pool is filled with water and money. Ah, it sucks. Yeah. I hate when the pool has water in it. Yeah. And you got to like go in there and mop it out. It's such a fucking. Weird. That's like a whole. That's like your favorite day, though. Is like the pool has like a little bit of shitty water in yeah, it. Yeah, totally. And you gotta like go in there and fucking sweep it out. It's really insane. It's such a weird twist of things. Like I, I think about it a lot. You wouldn't ever find like, I don't know, like a basketball player cleaning up a basketball court. <laughs> you know. Right. It's really I mean, crazy. maybe towards the end of his career or like if he's like... It's like sweeping like, like oh my God, like this empty lot, I can put a hoop here. Right. And like I'm going to clean out this yard and like put right. a fucking hoop in and like... Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. No, but like looking at like empty swimming pools and like the houses and the like society that is like decayed to cause them is kind of insane and really interesting. And you also end up in the richest fucking neighborhoods in the world. I like for a long time I knew Bel Air and Beverly Hills, like the roads, like so as well as my own neighborhood. And you also end up in like South Central and Southgate because the same exact thing happens there, except usually people are still living there when they can't afford to keep their pools filled. Right. But you end up doing like I would trip out, we're doing the same exact thing in like the best neighborhoods in the world and in like the shittiest. Right. It's pretty weird. I mean, I think I mean I always think like when I would see you skating or whatever, like on tour or whatever, I would just always think like, what the fuck is wrong with that dude? Like, <laughs> what if he breaks his hand? And then the tour's over yeah. and then there's like two other dudes in the band and then they're like, what the fuck, dude? You fucking broke your fucking hand yeah, and now you can't on. play fucking guitar. Knock on And now wood. we have to go home. A knock on wood. I fucked up my foot one of the times we were in Europe and I was in a wheelchair for a few days and... I played a sh- only one night. I played a show sitting on a stool, and these other dudes that we played with, like they were seeing us for the first time, and like somebody later had to explain it to them. They just thought that that was our shtick. Like they were probably wasted, and they weren't that up close. They didn't realize like I ha- didn't have a shoe on, and it was wrapped in an ace bandage. <laughs> but I couldn't walk for like two days. They thought that you were the band that has the du- the crippled dude. Yeah, in I'm, it. I'm like I'm really going for this like blues vibe sitting on a stool. I think Harmar Superstar did that too. Ah. Uh... But I think he had gout. Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he wrecked his foot oh, skateboard. No. I think he had gout is Damn. what it was. He was eating too much organ meat. Yeah, way too much. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah, I, always, I mean, I always see that and I'm just like, what the fuck is that dude doing? I used- Do those guys ever get pissed off about it? They've, yeah, definitely. Yeah. They've definitely gotten pissed off. Like Because every time I see your fucking brother, whether it's in L.A. or New York or wherever, I've run into him before. Yeah. <laughs> He's like on fucking crutches. He had a really bad drunk as shit. Year and a half run. Like we're looking for his, can't find his crutches. Yep. He's got like a <laughs> shitty mustache. His head shaved. He's wearing fucking overalls with no shirt on or anything else on. And he just like, what's up? Oh my God. I know. That kid, he needs like a, he needs a counselor or something. But you take him on tour. We did. He, he came. He's working now. Actually, he just got his kind of his real first job. He's working full time at Supreme at the skate shop on Fairfax. Oh, cool! And I barely fucking see him anymore. But we'd get into so many stupid brother fights on tour that we had to start leaving him at home. Yeah. And then it's kind of a bummer because then I got nobody to skate with, and he's like, he causes so much fucking trouble. Like he needs to smoke weed every five seconds. <laughs> um, you know, like he he would get way too drunk. I mean, he'd also like. You know, like we're on tour with Fu Manchu in Europe. The show's sold out, and he goes outside. We don't know anybody in wherever, Vienna. And he's like, I just got 150 euros for our guest list spots. Here you go. Like, Oh, he sold the guest list spots. Yeah, he was yeah. just like, you know, he's like, he's always, he, he's like. Was that a good or a bad thing? Great. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. A, yeah. And he'd all, I mean, he just like, he. We opened up for the Breeders one time, an old band of mine, and I sold all the guest list spots. Because I was just like, I didn't know anyone who wanted to come. Yeah, actually, it, he made us more money than Fu Manchu were paying us. Right. Yeah, so he's got, he's like a... He, he brings so much good energy. We just would also get into fights about all sorts of dumb, stupid, just brotherly shit. But, like, everywhere we go, it's like we go back to places, and people are like, how's your brother doing? What's up? Because he leaves a great impression on people with his fucking insane energy. But, like, so, yeah, I mean, you guys bring him, then you bring, like, magic. Also, we had to stop bringing magic. We've got a whole list of... We've got a whole <laughs> I mean, list. a list of all the people you brought on tour and all the people that aren't on tour. Pretty much, yeah, like... We've gone through a couple cycles 
of like roadie crew. Like when I think about it now, the first time we went to Europe, there's three of us in the band. We brought four people with us. Fu Manchu and their crew were like, "What the fuck is wrong with you guys? You have more guests. You have more guest lists every night. You have more of a crew than anybody." Like one of their tour managers was like, "Hey, okay, your roadie couldn't even coil a cable." <laughs> <laughs> like the You're war. Like, <laughs> We were just like, we're going to Europe. Who wants to come? Yeah. He couldn't even... I like the pro-roadie versus the non-pro-roadie. Oh, you're like, God. You're like, that dude doesn't even like know where the fuck he's at right now. He's so fucked up. Like, yeah. he, he didn't coil a cable. He's not here to coil a cable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like... And, and it always ruled, like, having a big crew with us. It, like, the community leaves an impact on people. And also, like, you know, like, I don't know, we're, like busy playing they're doing other shit they're like oh i got this place for us to stay or oh this dude says come to his bar and he's gonna feed us after the show or something i don't know it's so it's so helpful like more heads yeah in a lot of ways i mean are you still doing because i brought this kid on like the last tour we did and then the band like broke up and so then <laughs> I felt so bad for this poor kid oh, no because i was like i felt like i traumatized this guy you know what's he doing now He's like working in a bar. He's fine. Okay. Yeah, I just felt bad for him, right. you know, because I was like, I, it, like shit. five in the morning, you know, he's like sleeping on a pile of garbage yeah. in someone's house, and I'm like, get up, dude, we gotta go. Right. He's like, what's happening? I'm like, I'll tell you later. Oh you know? god, we're driving back to L.A. Oh. from Salt Lake. You know what I mean? Like, so I felt bad. Like, so I mean, how many people do, are like you? Still have Olivia? Still goes on tour with you though? Your yeah. girlfriend. She's she's been coming and she's been handling like because she just manager. documents everything, right? She's been shooting photos of us like. From pretty much the pro, actually, she's been shooting photos of us since before we were dating, just because she was like uh, around in LA photographing shows, and right. uh, she's got such a good eye with that sort of shit. She also helps with like merchandise, and she helps like on the road, like dealing with some of the just all the bullshit and the coordination between all the logistic crap getting here and there, and who said when they're gonna let us have a key into their shed to sleep in and whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wanted to talk to that talk to you about that because, um, uh, you guys do like a lot of like merch compared to like most bands. Like, and I feel like you guys are into like kind of doing more of like a branding thing yeah. and, it, and not in a, like, I, not that you're trying to sell t-shirts, but like, I guess it's more of like a do-it-yourself sort of branding thing, and you guys have a certain aesthetic that you're trying to go with. Yeah, But you guys fucking put out a lot of merch based on that, and you guys, like, run... Like, so what is, like, Eliminator? What is that? Um, Eliminator was my 15-year-old self being like, I want to be like SST. I can put out... my, My old band, our very first record I put out myself called The Pressing Plan, ordered it. And it's not something to applaud. It was like I was just reading about Chuck and Greg Inn doing it 30 years before that without all the, like, easy, like, they couldn't just go on the internet and, like, right. look up the, like, record plus pressing plant. But it, since then, um, it was wanting to, like, make skateboards, have my own company. And there's a few things, there's a few different, like, factors to the, to Eliminator and kind of the company that around the shrine that makes merch and is starting to do more records and t-shirts and skateboards for my friends bands and shit we dig is that uh the first thing that it comes from is i guess like being a collector of old records old shirts of old bands and skateboarding stuff and loving like like uh the graphics that would come with the board and you know when i was 13 we i would want to go to a skate shop like you know five days a week but, of course, my parents would buy me a new skateboard maybe once a month. But, you know, I could pick out $10 worth of stickers or something. And I guess it comes from going into a skate shop as a kid and just being, like, amazed at all the graphics and, like, the power behind them and all the colors and um, just how cool that was. And wanting to, like, recreate that feeling and recreate, like, cool shit to pass on to other people. Yeah. And... um like, I can remember there was a shop called Hot Rod. Actually, it's probably still there, but I haven't been to it in so long on Westwood Boulevard in Westwood. And my parents would take us there. And me and my brother, I remember at some point we realized when somebody brings in, like, their old board and the skate shop sets them up with a new one, they would throw the boards away. And I can remember me and my little brother digging through the dumpster behind the skate shop, pulling out, like, broken boards. Yeah, me and my friends did that, too. It was like... But at, they- at Taco Bell. <laughs> Well, his taco's broken, but 
It still looks good. Well, I, I, had, I, I wanted to be a nurse when I was a kid, so I would try to <laughs> stitch the Taco Bell. No, anyways. So you guys are like it was broken boards or what? It was like anything. Like right. I, trucks it, and yeah, shit. Like my family was not not well off or anything. My parents would not like buy us a bunch of shit. We like never had like crazy and all the expensive $80 skateboard jeans or anything. It was like we were like I would hold on to like the trucks and wheels of a complete that I got for years. But at some point, we realized, I don't know how, like we saw somebody throwing one away or we saw him next to the dumpster. And from then on, every time we went to a skate shop, we'd go look in the garbage can and we'd take home like the broken boards. We'd just be like, oh, the graphic is cool. Oh, yeah, and just fucking hang it up or something, right? Yeah, just like collect it. I mean, yo, I don't even know what, yeah, we would hang it up or collect it or just like, you know, having the board of some pro skater or some company is like, you know, a little window into another lifestyle, another dimension that, you know, wasn't our lives. So looking at some graphic or some skate video is like being able to like fantasize living that a little bit. So who handles all that stuff? I thought like your brother like kind of oversaw like all the merch or like how do you handle like all the orders or like because you're doing stuff now. You're like collaborating with like other bands now. Yeah. Like you're doing a hot lunch t-shirt and a deck. We are. And then we're going to do Soon one. a zigzag shirt and a deck. I'm yeah. really excited. So, like, how does that work? Like, how do you have the time to, like, fucking go to the post office and do that shit or um, whatever? I have a few people that help me. I mean, my brother's helping me for a long time. He's now working at uh, Supreme, which actually, like, a lot of the, like, really good setup and kind of infrastructure that we have, the organization, comes from him hanging at Supreme before he worked there and then coming back home and being like, I just organized everything like this because I learned it there. And that's still in place now. And um, a few different people helped me pack orders and design shit. And, uh, you know, there's like a, uh, there's a weird misconception um, that, like, everybody who works in the music industry wants to tell you. is like, you can't be doing this yourself. You, your job is to play music. Sure. You, you can't. You need to be playing. It's like, you know, I'm not playing music 10 fucking hours a day. Right. It's like we practice for, like... For a while, we jammed a lot, but it's like even playing music for four or five hours. like That's about the limit, really. Yeah, and like we get our shit done, and, um, you know, what are you going to do afterwards? I don't know. Some people want to, like, spend the rest of the night in a bar, or some people want to go to You do a fucking podcast, you know? You some gotta... people want to do a podcast. <laughs> some people want to create weed toaster ovens. <laughs> And I don't toaster know. oven's made out of weed, <laughs> like a Cheech and Chong style toaster <laughs> oven, where it's actually made out, or it's like a toaster oven that toasts it's, weed. It's a toaster oven that toasts toaster ovens. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so they were just high when they came up with the idea. It has nothing. There's nothing to do with weed in the actual toaster oven. The idea was just spawned. I get it. So, okay. So, answer me this then: and why have a, a record label or a booking agent or like a PR, because the thing I know about you guys, or I've noticed about you guys, is you don't really get that much press. Like, there's not, like, in the main, like, right. in, like, the mainstream music thing. Like, you guys get press in, like, Thrasher, and you guys get press overseas in, like, Japan and shit like that, but you're not, like, Pitchfork's not reviewing your record. Right, no, totally not, and, um... Or my record. Well, yeah, but, I mean, um... It's pretty... It's amazing going around the world. People are really tuned into America and California and kind of the stuff that the Shrine is steeped in, all the like classic American shit. But I don't know. I mean, it's almost hard to answer. But but I'm saying like, what's the point of like if you if you're gonna do all the merch and stuff, why not do the records as well? Um, not just for you. I'm just answering. I'm asking yeah, in right, like in a, for people well, listening or all, whatever. All the time, I wanna, I wanna like, I wanna say confidently out loud. We don't need anybody at all, but we do need like a booking agent, and we don't have a manager. Um, we have TP Records who helps us out, and Dave Sweet Apple there does a lot of sick shit for us, and uh, it's really helpful. You know, like we're okay. We're gonna be in Japan on August 22nd. Please make sure the records get there before right. then. And then, you know, I, I, we worry about all the other shit, getting our guitars together, making sure the dude's going to pick us up, and making sure we've got all of our T-shirts, all the rest of the merch. But, you know, they help us out with that. Yeah, because I don't feel like I'm, like, I'm not trying to, like, play devil's advocate even. Or I'm no. just, I'm saying, like, I feel like, I feel like the more control you have, the better. But yeah. at some point, you'll just drive yourself fucking nuts if if, if, all, if all you're trying to do is control shit. I've, you I've know? driven myself crazy and uh, and a few friends along the way because, I don't know, because it's my band, my project. It's like um, 
you know, practicing for four or five hours and then finishing and like handling, getting the t-shirts done, driving to downtown, getting the blanks, bringing them to someone to get silk screen. I'd like get that done. And it's like, I feel like a lot of people would be like, all right, I'm exhausted. I'm done now. And I don't know. I'm driven to like start working on the next thing or like go back and then start jamming again or something. Sure. Um, and the other thing, the other thing about having that I wanted to answer just about having like a big, uh, merchandise presence is like along with just being stoked to want to make cool graphics and cool shit for people to hang on to. Everything comes down to trying to escape reality. And by that, I mean, pay for our own bills, make our boat float and, uh, and be able to just play cool shows. It, like it all comes down to like helping pay all the bills so that we could like, we could be free and ready to like play a fucking rad show. Well, I think you guys did that because I last time I saw you was in uh, that show we played in San Pedro, and uh, you guys were there, and I was talking to Court, the bass player, and Jeff, the drummer, and <clears throat> asking those guys what, what what they were doing these days, and and they were just saying that you guys have gotten to that point now where you're like pretty much living off the band in a sense. Yeah. Like no, no one's buying fucking houses or anything. Or, hell no. Barely paying the rent in Inglewood. But we made the switch like actually, and I'm so fucking, it's so cool. It's more like than I could ever imagine. I could say two years ago, they stopped, both of them stopped working. Right. In the beginning of 2013, we got a uh, graveyard, the band from Sweden asked us to go on tour for a month. And, Jeff, who had been working like a fucking shitty job as a computer tech at Best Buy, was like, um, I think if I get this much time off, like they're not going to want me back. I think I'm just going to go with it. Right. And he'd been working there for like six years or something, and he just fucking rolled the dice and hasn't gone back to work. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, like, we're ju- we just try and stay busy. All we want to do is play shows and, like, We've got so many ideas all the time of new songs, new like new graphics, new shit to make. It's yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that that's the right attitude to have. I mean, it's like you guys do so much of it yourself that like that you can keep whatever money that you make off of it, and and it's not a bad thing or whatever. Right, and it's just like it's like how bad do you want to do it? You know, how much work do you want to put into doing it? But like the whole like idea of like oh, selling out or whatever is like, yeah, because we fucking, we were in fucking Blind Melon and we <laughs> sucked. And then this dude, like, all of a sudden, because Guns N' Roses was huge, like, gave us, like, a million dollars. Right. You know, oh, and we were just, like, fucking around and we got a million dollars and then the dude dies or whatever. Right, you know? it's crazy. Like- As opposed to, like, yeah, we're going to go to band practice. Then we're going to go downtown. We're going to fucking pick up shirts. We're going to go fucking screen print them. We're going to mail them out ourselves. We're going to do all that stuff. Yeah. And then someone's like, you know, wants to be bummed or whatever that you're not working a shitty job on top of it. Right. Um, you know, like, I don't want to get into, like, a whole, I mean, I could just, like, because I think about it all the time, like, a whole, like, fucking self-help, like, um, I don't even know the word. I'm like, what, like, whatever. Um <laughs> But, like, uh, I've, I think it also comes from being, like, heartbroken at so many friends of mine who were either skaters or artists or in a band who, like, just couldn't keep it together because of some fucking, like, like stupid thing. Like, they couldn't, like, just keep moving forward. They couldn't, even like you, like, picking up the pieces and, like, uh, like liked the old dudes. And I was, like, went home being, like, holy shit. Like, Jed did it. He picked up, like, that was, like, better. Like, Am I being mean by saying that? Like, I feel weird. Cause, but, like, you know, it's like most people would have been like, that's it. Right. And it's like it comes down to what you want to do. And also, like, with everything else, so many people that I'm friends with and I look at, like, they can't think for themselves and, like, kind of look around them and realize their opportunities. And instead, they're, like, want to, I don't know, I don't know what people do, like, spend all of it in a bar instead of, like, you know, when they got a good reason to, or like spend it playing video games or just, I, I don't know what, like, I, I can't even like speak to it. I like, I mean, like I like fucking around and skating and spending all my time skating or doing something. But like, I look at so many friends, like who would be like, who was an incredible skater. And you know, they like 
chronically make like decisions against themselves. Right. That are like, well, no, I don't really want to like go out of my way and do this. Like, and it was like, if you had done that, you would have like ended up going on this trip like to Europe on like a skate tour. Like, why didn't you just push yourself and go out of the way? Like, like do like a few more little things or like think about like, well, like, I don't know, like look around you at the people, you know, who are also doing rad shit and reach out to them and network with them. And like, if you have an opportunity, like take it, I don't know. Like if you have an opportunity to like, to like, like the first thing I said when somebody else asked me about this, I was like, steal your dad's paper clips. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like seriously, like take the office supplies, like do anything you can. Like think about like who, you know, whether they'd like, you know, buy you a guitar amp when you're, when you don't have one anymore or like somebody, you know, who you could stay with and go like, go to New York and go do something cool there and like go wait outside some building and try and meet some guy that like made some cool record you like or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. How old are you, Josh? 25. All right. Fucking A. All right. We're going to play a game now because <laughs> they're getting towards the end of the interview. There. Cool. You did like a Mike Shank laugh there that I liked from, uh, have you seen American movie? I have, but I always confuse it with Fubar. <laughs> like, one's a real, one's a documentary, I, yeah, and one I, is not. I couldn't. I, I could. <laughs> I like when you go from saying super smart, profound <laughs> shit to like saying super dumb shit, <laughs> like it's, it, in like the span of ten seconds. So it's all about that highbrow, lowbrow. That's right. That's what it's all about. Uh, so we're gonna play this game here, and like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> the fucking I had Yasi on here and she hated it. When I had Lance and Liz on here from Permanent Records, they loved it. They wanted to keep playing it. But basically, I'm gonna give you this card. It's got a band name on it, and you're gonna tell me whether it's a real band or a fake band. You have to t- decide, <laughs> and then you, and then we're gonna talk about like if it if it is fake, like maybe what what it is, or we'll, we'll figure it out. No, 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 not not if they're fake, as in like fake people, like if the band actually exists or not. Oh, well, that's what I meant. <laughs> no, the Beatles existed. There's a conspiracy. Oh, no, no. Oh, so it's like, did the Beatles land on the moon? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> All right? True. Are you ready to? Okay. Well, this is going to be harder than I thought. You really, you really impressed me like a minute ago, and now I don't know what's going on. All right, so I'm going to give you a card. You're going to tell me. You're going to read it, and then you're going to tell me. Probably true. It's you got to read the name though. Oh, Sand Wish. Yeah, it's there's worse, stupider names that exist. So why couldn't this? That one's actually fake. All right, we came up with that the other night <laughs> in the band. Sand Wish. Yeah, because then the person, because when someone asks you at the show, like, what's the name of your band? You're like Sandwich. They're like Sandwich, and you're like, no, <laughs> Sandwich. Sand Wish. And oh then you have to have to go home and be like, oh. I wouldn't be surprised. There's so many. Crazy names. You well, that's the point. Of, is an awesome name. That's the point of this game, though. Yeah, I was trying to see if there was like any shrine-related band names, and it's all um, like the Shriners. Oh yeah, but they each have they have their own little bands though that they have. They called them like the Raja yeah, Oriental Band, and it's like a bunch of dudes with like the the, the Fez. On. Yeah. The, oh my god. Like the Dead Kennedys record. Yeah. Right. And the little cars. All right. Here's another one. Big fat. Pet clams from outer space. <laughs> I just want you to read it. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. I have no idea, but you just reminded me of um, uh, a Minutemen lyric. Yeah. Um, there's a Minutemen lyric that's big fucking shit right now, man. Yeah. And I, reading Mike Watts' book, he's like, I just wrote that because I wanted to hear D Boone say it. Yeah. It's like what? That reminds me. I wanted to ask you: Have you been to Sunken City in San Pedro? No. I've oh seen my photos god! You got to go down there. We I've just did band photos. photos down there. It's Sick. fucking amazing, dude. Yeah. You would love it down there. I know, Olivia's dude. Been down there. So many like crazy scumbags down there, like skating and like fucking dirt biking on the beach and stuff. And, There's like, some weird DIY spot that just got built on the beach, and maybe there. It's insane. Maybe, maybe some. Yeah, it looks cool. It's crazy. I like old shit like that. I like L.A. history and weird things like that. There's a weird like Nazi camp in Pacific Palisades. Oh, like a white power thing or something? It was some some really rich, really rich. 
couple in the Pacific Palisades during World War II were like sure that uh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really there's a, there's a giant water tower and a creepy gate and like the beginning of what was supposed to be like a giant power generator building and this is kind of like off a hiking trail. It was like their like bomb shelter. I guess so. I mean, like I, I guess there's a few different stories. Supposedly it was like they were building like a you know like the headquarters for the. Oh, in case the Germans won. Yeah, right. Right, they, they were, were like they were the like welcome preparing. wagon. Yeah, they were like the, and now it's just like covered in like people's like high school amateur graffiti. Right, that's how Sunken City is. But there's some like right. kick-ass graffiti down there too. That's, that's cool. actually that plays right in with our next band name. Anally aborted fetus. I think I've heard this before. Have you? Is it a band? It's up to you. Yeah. No. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely plenty of like aborted fetus anal bands <laughs> out there. They're they're really great <laughs> it is a band yeah it's uh they're from the genre of music that i i don't know if i've ever actually heard it but it is real um called like porno grind i think <laughs> it's like grindcore but mixed with like porn <laughs> lyrics yeah i've heard of it too yeah it's right. pretty amazing i don't know i don't know either i don't know what to make yeah, of what, that what you, what it's so specific yeah. yeah yeah what would your exactly what would your mom think <laughs> Like zigzags in the shrine, you can kind of get off, get away with. You know, you have to explain it a little bit. She like, but I don't know. Anally aborted fetus yeah. isn't. Hey, when your grand, like, you go to like your grandma's like fiftieth anniversary or whatever, and then she's like, "Oh, Josh Landau, you know this nice young Jewish boy." Oh yes, he's like playing in a band. <laughs> oh, what are they called? Anally aborted fetus, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I think about like <laughs> not just aborted fetus. I think about like the Anally. airport and the border crossings that we keep going through. Right. And like oh man, like people say some funny weird shit. We were getting on a plane in uh at some airport somewhere and the guy the guy checking our tickets like as you were getting right on the plane goes, "Are you with the band Blue Oyster Cult?" Yeah. It was like you're like, yeah, my grandfather is the bass I, player. Like, I was also like, whoa, that's that rules. Let's go rule. Like, I, but like, what? Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> be crazy, but I mean, like, not no. I'm in the band, like, like vagina, whatever. <laughs> vagina, whatever. <laughs> All right. I mean, I try to not. Well, say speaking of vagina, whatever. That's the next. Here's the next band. <laughs> I, I'm in the band Leather Hyman. Yeah, that you're in Leather Hyman. That was actually Joey Ramone's first name. Hyman? Leather Hyman. It, it, that's his first name? <laughs> his first name is Leather Hyman? Well, he, a lot of leather jacket. Oh, okay. Um, is that a real band or a fake band? Um, I'm going to go with fake. That's a real band. Wow, I'm sorry, Leather Hyman. Yeah, I looked him up. They're real. Okay, wow. you know, the problem with this game is that a lot of times, is, and, and I mentioned this at each show, is it's, it's hard to do it without it being, like, really, like, sex stuff, you know? Because whenever you come up with, like, yeah. like do you have any fake always... band names? Like, do you guys have fake band names in the band? Like, when yeah, you're in the sure band? That, do. That I'm, pro- you... I'm probably going to draw a blank on right It's now. all got to be, like, ass stuff, though, right? Yeah, like, it could be. Yeah. I, I can't band names. <laughs> it's always some sort of dicks and yeah, we... asses. We usually come up with some stupid stuff. I can't even think. Well, of it's it. got to be stupid too, yeah. of course. But all right, well, we'll just keep moving on. We'll, we'll, you can think about it. <laughs> Ancient Chinese penis. <laughs> it's, a, it's a takeoff on, um, on Ancient Chinese there's secret. Actually, in Chinatown um, here in LA, there's a there's a like a, whatever that walking street is. Yeah, and I was there one night sitting around with my buddy with Barrett. You know, Barrett, uh, you do, but, um, and Olivia. And we're not just, from my acting class, not that. No, no, Barrett Avner, who's a. <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah, is. epic guitar player also. We're sitting there just like Chinatown's totally closed down, but we happen to be sitting in front of some, uh, I think it was like, looked like a, you know, Chinese restaurant or something. And then, and then it was like, also had a medical supply, a doc, it was a doctor, and it had all these, cr- it had a list of all the things they will treat. Oh, yeah. And one of them was penis shrink inside. <laughs> the other one was chicken breast. <laughs> and then it was all sorts of normal shit, like normal, like, like different diseases and stuff, but there was, and then next to that, it also said we sell unique and original clothes for pets. <laughs> <laughs> but 
for like three. I saw that photo on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I thought like, you guys were in China, dude. For like two months, we were just going like, ah, yes, penis shrink inside. I will save you. You guys were doing a Borat voice, making fun of Chinese people for two months. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It's better than doing a Chinese voice, I guess. Yeah, I, I like that. My favorite is the unique and original fashion. I'd said fashion for pets. For pets. Oh my god, it's beautiful. How's your dog doing? Pretty good. He's got like what three legs? <laughs> no, that's the one-eyed cat. Oh, you have a one-eyed cat. <laughs> I had a three-legged dog. The one. No, but it's the cat has one eye. The cat's got one eye. He's still ticking. That's good. Yeah. All right. Let's go with another band name here. Let's, we're ramping up here. Sunnyside fucked. <laughs> Like sunny side up, but ah, to <laughs> <laughs> explain it. Oh man, this is it has to be true. That's uh, fake. It, no, not I'm, anymore. I made it up. See, that's the thing. Like, here's the thing. Anyone listening, you can take these band names if you're if you're starting a band and you want to be called Sunny Side. Yep. Here's a here's my take. To me, Sunny Side fucked is like is like uh, it's kind of like Limp Biscuit or Deftones. Oh, you know, it's something like that. They're from Bakersfield. Yep. They still have like really baggy pants. There's like a seven string oboe in there. Little wheels. Yep. Tiny. Totally. The tiny wheels. Cargo shorts. Cargo shorts and little wheels. That's Saints Side Fuck. And it's rap. It's rap metal. Definitely rap metal. All right. Sounds here's the next fucked. one. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> like Larry David. Yeah, like Larry David. Yeah. But it's just Larry. Great band. I've been listening to him for years. Larry is the name of the band. It has to be a band. That's a band. It has to be. That's my friend Larry. He was in the band The Ricketts. They're like a punk band from Bainbridge Island, Washington. What's Larry like? He's amazing. He I think he played he played in a band in Oakland uh with um Al from uh Ohm and oh, uh Sleep. Um called I think this was I could be wrong, but I know they played music together, but he had a band called Jesus Fucking Christ. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard of that band, definitely. Yeah, he's like a he's like a hardcore punk dude, metal dude. He's a rad dude. Uh, he was like one of the first dudes I ever saw with like a mohawk and like sick. He played in my friend's parents' basement house uh, basement when we were like thirteen or fourteen. That's awesome. Yeah, and then like he was like, "Where do I get beer around here?" And I was just like, "I don't know, dude. You're <laughs> I've been asking that for the last fourteen years. <laughs> trust, trust me, Larry. If I knew, oh my god, I'd tell you. All right." One more here. All right. The grand two more, finale. two more, two more. Sex Stains has to be a band. You think that's a band? Probably is. Yeah, that's a band. Probably that's is. That's a guy I work with. <laughs> wow, they're all they're all locals. Yeah. Sex Stains. <laughs> well, Larry's not local, but he used to At be least local. in your heart. Yeah, he's in my heart still. Um, Larry had a great, uh, going back to Larry, Sex Stains is a dude I work with. His name's Sharif. Um, Larry had a great uh, seven inch where he, Larry had a great seven inch. Yeah, he went on a record. He called in um, the radio station. They were playing. I'll give you a copy of this, too. I have two of them. Uh, they were playing One by Metallica on the radio. And he calls in. And because they had cut it off right before it got fast or whatever, they just played like the slow part of One. And he calls in and he's just like, yeah. And he's like 14. He's like, yeah. Um, you guys were playing one on the radio, and like you guys like totally cut it off, like right when it started to kick ass or whatever, and like that really sucks. And then like as that's happening, you hear the other phone pick up, and it, and you just hear like Larry, and he's like, Mom, get off the phone. Oh like, my god! And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry, and she hangs up the phone. And he's like, Yeah. Anyways, um, that was really stupid when you guys like it was going to start totally kicking ass, that's and amazing. and the the radio station recorded it. Oh and they used God. it as, like, their commercial promos. I, I would, too. <laughs> so when he went back to school, he was, like, the most popular dude or whatever. He's like, yeah, I was on the radio talking about Metallica. I gave oh those guys what God, for. And then amazing. years later, he put it out on the B-side of a 7-inch. That's amazing. Yeah, I got to get you a copy incredible. of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Larry and the Go Nowheres. And then the Go Nowheres went somewhere, and then now it's just Larry. Larry. So, and this is the very last bit. Look out for Larry. Sandwich. This one is definitely true. But I think I what's the difference it. between this one and the last one? Um, between Sandwish <laughs> is uh, it's a lot more spiritual. <laughs> it's spelled differently. <laughs> w i t c h Sandwich, <laughs> not like a sandwich, but like you know, an actual like an actual like witch. a Wiccan. Uh, yeah, from the beach or the desert. 
<laughs> exactly. Is that a real or a fake fan name? It's got to be a real one. Yeah, that's a real one. It's got to be. There's the, the the stoner rock genre offers so much thought. It has to be a stoner band. That's true. That's a really profound statement, Josh. You had a lot of profound statements on the show tonight, and I just want to say uh, thanks so much for coming in. I had a great time. And we're going to end on that note on Stoner Rock. Awesome. Appreciate it. Good seeing you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Woo. See you later. <laughs> All right, that was a good one. Talking to Josh from the Shrine. I want to thank everybody out there for listening to Jed Banger's Ball, supporting the show. Go see the Shrine play. They play everywhere. They play in Russia. They play all over the goddamn place. I'm sure they're playing your town right now. Look out your window. There's the Shrine playing. They're in your driveway. Don't call the cops. They're nice guys. The drummer's real chill. As always, we're recorded here at the Green Street Studios in Los Angeles, California. Beautiful Los Angeles, California. And we're brought to you by This Is Not A Pipe. It's been another Jed Banger Ball. Thank you.